0: that was the thing with us too. We, I was contemplating for the longest time. Like, are we going to allow the duck to be cut? We've always been very Nazi-ish about that. Like, no, (laughs) not allowed. This is, you know, this is not something that we do. And, um, first thing I said, as soon as we opened was, no, we have to cut the duck.
1: This is food at a radio is all dressed up and has no place to go. Restaurants are starting to open up again this week with outdoor dining, so I thought it would be good to talk to an experienced restaurateur with a popular spot usually crowded on weekends. But not a hip downtown restaurant, there have been plenty of those in the media. Instead, I thought it would be good to check in with Kelly Cheng of Sunwa Barbecue, a beloved neighborhood Chinese restaurant in Uptown, just around the corner from the Argyle Street strip of Asian restaurants. Kelly runs Sunwa together with her dad, Eric, sister Laura, and brother Mike. But first, please subscribe to Food at or Radio at the podcast app of your choice, and leave us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts. Now here's our conversation, which was recorded last week before the protests and looting that may make this week's openings a moot point. I started by asking Kelly if the lockdown came as a surprise to a small family restaurant like theirs.
0: Actually, we kind of knew it was coming. Yeah. <laughs> no matter how like much I joked about it, you yep. won't get coronavirus here. We don't sell Corona, you know. Um, we have so many friends all over the world, you know, especially in China. You know, we have extended family. We have friends. We have friends who have been friends so long; they're pretty much family, uh, closer than the ones here, kind of deal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, we have we had we have friends in New York. Uh, extended family in new york and they, we were new york didn't the new york people didn't call us as quickly as until after we we shut down um it was all the chinese it was all the ones from china you guys need to be careful have masks you want us to mail you some yeah. we have plenty here you know was that kind of, like we were really just freaking out and we were and it's not that bad. And they're like, no, you don't understand. And we really didn't understand. We really didn't. Um, and then finally, it just started kind of coming together where we saw, and, you know, and I think one of the things about being from generations of business people, I started having a feeling because I'm, you know, much younger than my dad, but my dad, right, it was as soon as he saw the lockdown in Wuhan going for longer than the months. And then the rest of China shutting down um, right away. He's like, okay, whatever stuff we get from China or comes through China and is already in the US, order it now, Yeah, he started uh, hoarding early, more for price reasons. And so when everyone closed down and everyone's asking us, you know, how are you doing? You guys holding up, we're kind of twirling our thumbs, looking up at the sky, kind of, yeah, we're fine. Yeah, because we already hoarded up all the stuff that we need. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and so then when panic started setting in here, you know, people were panic buying and they were hoarding rice and my, my mom asked me, did you hoard rice? I'm like, for your house? And she goes, well, besides for the house, here. And I'm like, I already ordered two pallets from the wholesaler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, okay. And it's it's not that my dad's like, okay, good. We don't need to worry. We're going to starve. I'm like, it has nothing to do. And he knew, I just said it out loud because I, you know, he was going to imply that I was being stupid if I didn't do it. And I want him to know that his children weren't as stupid as he thought (laughs) (laughs) because we were cost saving, you know, we, I, we knew. And then as soon as we had ordered the two pallets and paid for it, the wholesaler told us, yeah, I'm going to give you the old price. Don't tell my sister because, you know, it's the guy down the street. <laughs> and he goes, don't tell my sister because she already raised the price on everybody else. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, so it's now, now we have two pallets of rice sitting in the back and everyone is, oh my gosh, costs are going up. Oh my gosh, you know. And the way I see it, um, really, uh, we weren't, and obviously I said earlier, we weren't really surprised you know, this was coming. Um, it was just a matter of when and how bad. And we didn't think that here in the U.S. we'd actually have to go on to a lockdown. We, yeah, government, because we understand the differences in governments, you know, there's, there's no way in China, if, if, the, if the government is telling you you're on lockdown, you're in your house, not leaving, you're in your house, not leaving. I mean, no, it didn't matter who you are. You know, uh, here, the culture is different. So if you said to somebody on the street three months ago, yeah, we're going to lockdown. stay in your house. They're going to look like, say what? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, yeah. It, it doesn't work that way here. And so, um, we actually went to, a at the recommendation of my dad, of all people, we went to prime Stefani the Thursday before everything shut down. And the entire time we're eating, we're all kind of watching the news and because we had been hearing of different districts, I was the same, that was the same week that Loyola had closed for two days, Loyola Academy, Right. because uh, I live in that neighborhood. And so uh, I said, they're going to close the school. My husband's like, no, they're not. I'm like, oh yeah, they are. Loyola, Loyola closed for cleaning. They're going to close our school because they're not going to school. And it was just bad afternoon. Uh, no, during dinner, it was like six o'clock get a text school's closed we're closed for we don't know how long and uh, we're not doing in in person teaching we'll do remote learning and uh i said okay that's it it was and i knew it was just a matter of time before the rest of the state was going to kind of fall like dominoes but you know it's you know you can you can say that looking back and make it sound easy but it wasn't um we weren't really scared until our friends in New York started calling us, huh. like daily and telling us how bad it was and like how many cases there were. And yeah, you know, like it was a ghost town and no one's working. And our, our friends like, you know, we finally convinced her because this is how our, our friends work. Uh, the one, one family in New York, the parents are friends with the parents here. We're friends with the kids. <laughs> So, like, you know, this is like a multi-generational friendship going. And so the kids would talk and the parents would talk. And then the kids would tell us, we convinced our dad to stay home now. He's finally quarantining. You need to tell your dad to quarantine. I'm like, dude, your dad is easy. Like, because their dad's a lawyer. So if he doesn't go to the office, he works from home, he's fine. I'm like, there's no way we're going to convince my dad to stay home. And he goes, well, you're going to have to try because it's really bad here. And of course he was super paranoid too, because his wife was pregnant at the, at the time. And so he was freaking out about making sure he can take care of her in the hospital and so forth. And so about five days into six days into the ban, after, you know, we were, we, we were officially like, everything was shut down. We were only doing takeout and we kept going. Um, I furloughed all of the wait staff, um, because there was nothing to nothing to be doing. I furloughed the butcher and my aunt, the noodle lady, because he's got underlying issues. I think he has like high blood pressure or something. And, um, and my aunt is in the sixties. So I'm like, okay, high risk age group. Um, all right, you guys are all furloughed. Um, and then, um, that was it. So, like, we had all the young guys working. We tried to get dad to stay home. He's like, I'm not staying home. is he even
1: retired to begin with? No,
0: he's not. Like, he's been talking about retirement for 12 years, right? So, every year for the first six of the 12 last 12 years, you know I'm retiring next year, right? <laughs> what are you guys going to do when I retire? And then he'll go, you know what? I have this thing I was thinking. And the moment he says, I was thinking, I'm like, okay, we're, we're in for it now. Like every time he says it, we're doing a major, major project and he's not retiring. So the last, the second half of the last, you know, six, the last 12 years, the second six years, I've pretty much ignored him when he says, <laughs> you know, I'm going to retire next year. Yeah. And what are you guys going to do then? I'm like, you're not going to retire. You're bored as hell at home. And he was, because when we closed after being freaked out by all the friends in New York. He is the one who said, you know, we need to close because it's it's really, really bad out there. And it was uh, in New York because at that time they were on the upward trend and it was uncontrollable for them at that point. And so after, after we said, okay, okay, all right, dad, do you want to close? And I'm thinking, well, if it'll keep you in quarantine, we'll do it. Um, so instead we fixed the floor in the kitchen, (laughs) did all the things we were going to do during vacation this year, because, you know, vacations canceled now. (laughs) And then we, uh, we basically fixed the floor and then, uh, the guys got about 10 days off and, uh, we essentially called it a quarantine for ourselves. Um, I wanted to start working again. When we are hitting close to Chinese Day of the Dead, because I didn't know, like, you know, us Asians, we're very particular about <laughs> when we're superstitious. We're very superstitious, so it was it was a it was kind of a gamble.
1: You don't want to be Let's dead open. on the Day of the Dead, basically.
0: You know, yeah, and you want to ask your ancestors for blessing is what what that kind of became, um, and I was kind of hedging on how how crazy are people gonna get, like do they do they feel like they're gonna need, you know, to have that kind of uh mentality, like they wanna feel better that way. So I said, okay, let's open for day of the dead. And then we come we come back, we get our stuff like pulled out from the freezer to prep and so forth. And my dad freaks out again, No, let's not do it. Forget it. We 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 won't open. Are you sure Dad? Yeah, yeah, let's no, let's not. Okay, so we close, we put everything back in the freezer. <laughs> I sense where this then, is going. And then he does it again the following week, um like early in the week. And it's now Easter week, and I said, "Okay, let's open for Easter. I think we can do it for Easter." I'm like my phone's ringing off the hook. If all the calls are forwarding to my phone, and I'm only getting a third of the calls, to so half at the most, we have business. They're like, and my dad's like, okay, okay, let's do it. All right, let's open up. So Monday, Tuesday, Mike and I are in here. We're pulling stuff out of the freezer. We, you know, start their frosting. We t- I call the guys, listen guys, show up for work on Thursday. We're going to, we're going to open, right? Wednesday, my dad calls me. Are you sure this is a good idea? Because <laughs> who's even talking to again? Uncle Alfred, the lawyer from New York. Right. <laughs> and, In the end, because I got quiet, he kind of paused and said, okay, all right, you know what? I put my two bits out. You're the one in charge. If you say go, if whatever you do, I'll support you. If you say go, we're going to go. If you say stop, then we'll put everything back in the freezer again and tell the guys not to work. And I said, no, dad, we're working. Okay, you said it. We're working. Like, okay, it's on me. And we've been working since. I uh, and I said, Okay, we'll we'll take it easy. Friday, Saturday, Sunday only. We prep on Thursday. It's different from our normal schedule, but like if we don't open again, we're gonna we, we actually bought boards to board up the windows just in case. I'm like, we're gonna need those boards if we don't open soon. I'm like that's not safe. Uh, he goes, but we're on Broadway and there's that big new flats building across. I'm like, no, those people are just gonna watch from the safety of their apartment three floors up. They're not going to care that, you know, people are breaking down our windows across the way. They don't care because they're in the safety of their own home. And then he goes, okay.
1: So initially you were doing takeout like you were just normally doing it. And then you shut down Mm -hmm. for a bit. Did you come back with an abbreviated menu then?
0: Essentially everything we have on the main dining room's menu is on our, uh, is on our to-go menu. So I just started cutting stuff off. I'm like, you know what? I don't have to serve bitter melon during the pandemic. Not that many people are going to call for it, you know. Um, I do need eggplant because apparently Americans like eggplant, Chinese eggplant to be exact.
1: (laughs) You know, I always try to order vegetables from Chinese restaurants and it's pretty (laughs) much green beans or eggplant because I don't know what else, or it's things I don't know. You know, the kids are not Mm going to eat bitter melon. So at least these are things they'll recognize.
0: Yes, exactly. And and I understanding this, personally myself too if you're sick, if you're getting sick, if we're in this craziness, people want comfort food. Yeah. They want to know what's familiar. They want to see what's familiar. They want to eat what's familiar. You know, they want to feel like they're going to be okay. And you know, and I, I've always kind of spouted that, you know, this is, you know, the restaurant is a place where you can feel like you came home. You know, this isn't, this might not be your exact house, but it is somewhere where you can get something that's going to make you feel better because I will find something to feed you to make you feel better. It's
1: all my alternate houses all
0: over the city. Yes, yeah, and that's exactly it. Like when we go out to eat, why people, people kind of wonder at themselves, you know, why am I always so set in stone about where I eat and what I eat? Because you're familiar with that. You enjoy it because that's what makes you feel better. And so once you come to that realization as a restaurant owner, then you do your best to help those people coming in the door feel that way.
1: Well, you know, it is one of the things that I really wondered about with – all the different uh, immigrant restaurants and and traditional restaurants of different types around the city, how much mm-hmm. were they going to be aware of these things? Was every little taqueria going to be up suddenly mm-hmm. from one day to the next on all the mm-hmm. regulations about being safe and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not surprised to hear that Chinese were plugged into something that was happening in China and New York too, uh, both Chinese capitals of a sort. And, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I mean, they're on Argyle. Do you feel like everybody knew that? I mean, I think some of those places are so, I mean, they're, they're either, you know, like little bits of China in America or they're little Mm -hmm. bits of the 1950s in America. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, here's the, here's, I think is the kicker. I think that in America, all the immigrants are the ones who got it first. Okay. Because they could see it overseas. Yeah. Like, our, okay, so the prime example I see in our neighborhood right now, right, is Tank Noodle. Okay, Tank Noodle, um, almost every year that they can, they take a hiatus right around New Year's, and they go home to Vietnam every year if they can do it. If they can't do it, they skip a year or two at the most, and then they they, they go. And this year happened to be a trip year for them. So they went to Vietnam. They were gone for a month. that was during Chinese New Year. And even for the parade, you know, uh, the Alderman had called and asked, hey, you know, are we sure we want to go ahead with this? With all this stuff going on? I said, I think it's necessary that we do it so that people know that, you know, they, they don't turn this into a craze. Because Chinatown, we were hearing that Chinatown was going to cancel their parade. Right. Um, and I said, no, I, I think having the parade might stabilize all these crazy thoughts going, out, uh, going on out there. And so we uh, we had the parade. Tank was closed. Then they came home because um, they're usually, they usually gone for about four weeks. And then they came home and they put a sign on the door. And they said, for everyone's safety, we're going to uh, self-quarantine for 14 more days. So we're going to be closed two more weeks this year. And they took those 14 days to make everyone else feel better because everyone knew they had been in Vietnam and there were cases in Vietnam. They wanted people to know that it didn't bring it back. And that, yeah, I mean like how many places would do that? Right. Yeah.
1: No, it makes sense though. I mean, because everybody's going to be wondering that.
0: so You you have to
1: deal with it head on.
0: Yeah, you do. You do. And that's exactly, that is exactly what you have to deal with. Um, And so that's why I really point to them as being a case in point. They are, uh, they really just, yeah, you know, everyone's like, How, you know, like how huh, why well, you know, it's not it's not they don't speak English, how could they possibly know? Yeah, And I <laughs> said, Well, how could they possibly not? Uh all the news that we watch is in Vietnamese and Chinese and you know, Korean, also all the Asian immigrants all know what's going on because it's home. It's at home. They're getting news from friends, from family, from news that they watch in our native language. And they're saying, Oh, Okay, uh, we should be careful. We should we should check out what we're doing. We should, you know, be aware. We have to. So we'll look like freaks, but at least we'll be healthy freaks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, compared to all the other Americans that are no, I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not going to look like a freak. Mm, somebody else we know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it 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 is, and I and I think that's really. I think that's really what's helped. Um and a lot of places on Argyle closed as soon as the band hit. They just kind of gave up and said, You know what, we're not gonna um we're not gonna deal with this because it's not worth you know, the uncertainty was not worth it. And so I think we were we might have been one of the only stalwarts that kind of said, No, we're gonna we're gonna keep going.
1: Yeah, tell me so. tell me you closed because I, I honestly haven't been up there since all this started I yeah really do um, want Peking ducks so i'll come up there at some point but uh <laughs>
0: <laughs> weekends only but if yeah. look on the look on our website if if Lori leifer allows it i'm gonna put six tables outside <laughs> reserve reservations only okay uh so as far as i know um only Chuquan the bakery uh, and Honeymoon Cafe uh, stayed open on the west side of the tracks on Argyle. Okay. Everybody else closed. Hmm. Han Ki closed. Farama closed. Um, I think a few of the smaller Vietnamese restaurants stayed open on the west side of the tracks up to Sheridan. Um, but beyond that... On, I On uh, the east I mean, side? Yeah. Yeah, on the east side of the tracks. And I, I think a lot of places just closed because they felt like they had to, or they thought that they had to.
1: Had to Um, in what sense?
0: Well, because with the band, there was no dine-in. If there's no dine-in, they they weren't used to doing takeout. Really? Yeah. Because
1: I think of Chinese food and takeout, nearly synonymous. But I suppose on Argyle, it it doesn't have that same
0: feel. No, because it's harder to take out pho. I mean, I know Tank does it, you know, but it doesn't taste the same. I mean, we do it because we're down the street. And even then, I'm like, no, we got we to go in and eat one day, like, soon. Because it only fixes half your craving.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's not the same. It, you know, like, my sister complains. if my noodles are undercooked again this time, I'm going to be peeled. And lo and behold, what happens? She gets undercooked noodles. You know, like, it happens seven times out of ten. So, so and I, you know, that could be, and you know, like, if things are covered up, and squash into a box like you can't get fresh you're not going to enjoy your salad if it's wilted um and i I think that's one of the reasons why uh tank just decided we're gonna stay closed too it's just better um you know so they're not ruining their their reputation and that that was the thing with us too we i was contemplating for the longest time like how how are we going to deal with this what are we you know how are we going to are we going to allow the duck to be cut? You know, that was, we were very, we've always been very Nazi-ish about that. Like, no, <laughs> not allowed. This is, you know, this is not something that we do. And um first thing I said as soon as we closed was, or when we opened was, no, we have to cut the duck.
1: Although um, my Le Bouchon duck, as I'm cutting it, I'm just thinking how <laughs> I watch people at Sunwa do it. You know, <laughs> yeah, so.
0: that's, it's become this, I think it's become this phenomenon where like no matter what duck you eat, it has to be sliced sonwa style now.
1: Yeah. Well I don't know how <laughs> else to do it. So
0: yeah. Yeah, no. It, yeah. So that was and that was thing and I, I took into account that there were going to be people the reason they come in to eat was because they didn't know how to cut the damn thing.
1: Yeah. Well, I <laughs> so. think of Chinese food is pretty I mean it's about as delivery-friendly as anything gets. I mean, the the stir-fried dishes sort of contain their own heat retention, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, some things may not travel that well, but even fried things yeah. seem to travel reasonably yeah. well. No. I mean, it's, it it's other foods. Yeah, it's other yeah. countries' foods where I'm like, I'm just not going to have this very good until all this is mm-hmm. over.
0: So Exactly. No, and I and I was thinking of that. I kept that in mind. I actually pulled off all the things that I knew wouldn't travel either. Yeah. So people are asking me, "Hey, did, do you have soft shell crab?" I'm like, "Yes, but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to it <laughs> <I don't laughs> when you get it home." And they're like, "That's okay. I'm down the street. You know, okay. You said it. I'll make it. I have it. You know, they're stock frozen, so I got them. You just, you guess, you know, you tell me you're going to be okay with it, and I'll do it. Um, otherwise, it's not on the menu." There are people that ask, Hey, you usually have this on the menu? I'm like, Yes, I do have it. And I can make it. Um but I, I don't recommend it. it on the menu. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't put it on the menu because I you know, like there are there are regulars that they, they have to have what they always eat. And they've they've taken it to go before so they know it's there. But I, I also have to think about the kind of majority group. Um, you know, is this something that they're going to want? Is this something that the majority of people who who are doing takeout now, is this what they're going to like? So it's a little different. Like gauging that is a little bit different than gauging a dining room full of very mixed customers. And like in the dining room, I can, how shall I? I can dial the way I say things to tune in or fine tune how I think the customer is going to accept something. So if I see some younger groups and they look adventurous, um, you know, I could recommend fried intestines to them. Yeah. <laughs> and then two of the guys, two out of the 10 might be like, yeah, let's do it. And everybody else would be like, no, no, no. But they'll still order it because those two guys want to try it, you know, and they pass it on the table. Everyone has a bite and the, the plate's done, you know, it's that kind of, it's that kind of thing, but you can't do that for takeout. And if they don't like it, they're going to call you back and yell at you and expect a refund.
1: Right. No, I think so. that's that's only fair. You have to pick what you mm-hmm. think can actually yeah. work under the conditions. Yep. What well, I, I heard another yeah. interesting thing too about a neighbor of yours, uh, do at M Rice and Beyond, someone mm-hmm. was saying that they weren't in their delivery area because he had calculated basically the food safety. You know how far, could, how yep. long could it be in traffic, yep. and he yep. felt good about that. Yep. Yep. Which I mean, I recognize that places have delivery ranges, but I never quite thought mm-hmm. of it in food safety terms so much as mm-hmm. it'll arrive cold terms.
0: Yes, yeah, no, we thought of I. We had been thinking about that too, and um, from probably about the third week uh, after, so probably about the end of April, early May, I was already thinking about because we had been doing short distance, uh, deliveries in the beginning also. Um, so like if you're within a mile, um, I drop off, my brother would drop off like on the way to on the way home, you know, I drop off and then come back and they'll send me out again, kind of thing. Um, and you know, those were doable. Um, you know, and then I do the favorite ones, you know, like they're a little bit more out of the way, but, um, one girl called me, it's, it's my, it's my, it's my aunt's birthday. She loves your duck. Um, can you please, 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 please bring it to her? And I said, okay, um, well, when were you looking at? I mean, this is, you know, a $13 thing.
2: Yeah. And,
0: you know, she, she kind of goes, well, even if it's later at night, even if it's on your way home, and I'm like, okay, well, if you're <laughs> willing to do that, then okay, I'm done. Because I can drop it off on my way home and then I can be on my very way. I'm like, that is, you know, like I can manage that, you know. As a favor, you're like that. I don't mind doing stuff like that. But if I had to constantly comment, like we don't have a logistical system in place to do full-on delivery. And that was one of the things I thought about um, at about earlier the, earlier in the month and end of April. You know, what if I did a, you know, specific, Monday would only be the North Shore. Tuesday would only be like Naperville, Schaumburg area. Wednesday would only be Hyde Park, Oak Park kind of uh, place. And there are people out there that are telling me, yeah, if you did that, that would be awesome. Um, But again, logistics, you know, to figure out the logistics of that was a nightmare. And then, you know, when when I was ready to say, okay, we're just going to hunker down and do it and we'll learn as we go, the governor said, Okay, when we open, you can have outdoor dining. And I said, okay, forget that. I know I can do dining.
2: Right. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do delivery.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm doing dining. Um, people can come. I'll make, you know, you have to have a reservation to sit at the table. Done. Um, and then Lori Lightman says, oh, no, Chicago's not in that deal. I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I mean, how have you felt about how it's been handled by the various levels of government?
0: Locally in the city and Uh, in the state, they've done a fairly good job. There are, there are things obviously that I, you know, I understand them. I don't have to like them. Um, But that's, has always been like a public versus private sector thing. Um, So I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not against Mm -hmm. the, some of the things that they, you know, okay, you can't have nine in. I understand. I have a 200 seat restaurant just because I don't like that I can only go up to a maximum of 50 for the time being, you know, further down the summer. Uh, not now. Right. I don't like it because I have a 200 seat restaurant, but I understand it. You know? So I, I don't feel like they, they are not doing anything to help the public. They are, they really are. I, everything that they're doing, I can, I can see, there are places to nitpick and complain and whine about but overall i think our local government has been very very good about taking a, a stance and a lead um and ensuring that the overall majority of the population is kept safe like they're doing their best to make sure to encompass as much as they can in terms of keeping people safe uh and so You know, if that that does have to mean that there are sacrificed people like ourselves in the restaurant industry where, okay, you have a giant dining room, so you won't be operating at full capacity. And um, that's fine. So I find other ways to go around that. You know, so we've been talking to our alderman's office. We've been, you know, I've been constantly, hey, is it possible to do this? Oh, that's something you're interested in? Yeah okay, well, let's, we'll run it. We'll run it by the Alderman. And then we'll see if we can get something going and we'll see what happens. And that's, you know, if it doesn't happen, so it doesn't happen, but at least I've tried. So that's like the sidewalk dining or what? Yeah. Yeah. Sidewalk dining. I as soon as I heard about outdoor, I literally called, um, one of the contacts we have at, uh, Harry O'sman's office. And he said, okay, you have to keep in mind. That's not for the city. I'm like, Oh, okay, well, tell me what the city wants. But are like, we can't do anything yet. <laughs> he was so depressed sounding. And I'm like, did I just burst this bubble? Oh, no, I don't want to make him feel bad. Uh, but, you know, he, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was very quick. I, he's like, okay, tell me what you want to do. And I said, you know what? I have enough space in front of uh, the restaurant. I can do six tables with social distancing, max. And I, and I will take it as far as I can go um with that i won't be in the sidewalk everything we butted up against the facade of the building and the sidewalk will be open and then i can do i we will figure out how to like line people up for social distance with social distancing when they come to pick up their order that's it like i if, you know if, if you give me the six tables i'll work everything else out you know and he goes okay that's fine like i you know i would build screen guards for the tables um So we can hang the menus on and it kind of helps keep the dust from the cars driving by into blowing into people's food. You know, uh, like I am all for that. He goes, well, would you take everything inside? I'm like, yep, I don't have outdoor equipment anyway. This would be makeshifted indoor equipment. So we'd want to bring it all back inside anyway. And then I'd be at the mercy of the weather. So I'd have to cancel everybody who made a reservation if it rains, but you know, they're, they're, I, I, those are not things I can control. So, you know, those would be, written, be the written policy of this reservation. You know, like, don't don't get mad at me if I have to cancel because it's raining out. I don't want you to sit in the rain to eat. Food's not good like that anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, and the, the alderman's office was very receptive of that and said, okay, we will work on it. And I'm like, I don't have an outdoor permit. I don't have an outdoor patio. And they're like, okay, nope we will take that into consideration and I'm sure I'm not the only one. There are plenty of other restaurants that will have the same problem and to be left out in the cold like that would not be (laughs) the smartest move. uh, If the mayor decides to exclude the ones that don't have the outdoor permits, you know, she has to figure out a way to fast track, um, like quickie applications, like for people like us, if, we wanted to be able to put it outdoors and they can come and measure. I, I've already done the measurements. Um, if I sit past our property only a little bit on both sides and my one side neighbor is the garage at a Cedar flats building across the street. And the other side is timeline theater. And they each get half a table on their side. <laughs> and I have six feet, from at least six feet between back to back of the customer sitting there.
1: So you say they have to do this, but they're the city. They don't have to do anything necessarily. No,
0: they don't have to do anything. And that's, and that's their prerogative. They don't have to do anything. But I think that in this instance, if they are able to do something like this and not be unreasonable in their fees, if they, if they accept them or take them or want them, which I understand they will, um,
1: Yeah, because they're looking for revenue everywhere at this point.
0: Everywhere, exactly. Um, It just, I think that if they can do that, that will put them in the good books with a lot of places right now that are screaming bloody murder because they're not making anything. I mean, I think, I understand that the city has to make revenue, but perhaps there might be other ways. One consideration would be you're collecting a tax off of us, sales tax off of us already, if you don't let me do this at a very, very reduced or zero fee rate, um, you have zero income tax coming, like zero sales tax coming in.
1: Well, let's hope that they see it that way and are and we're able to eat eat our <laughs> peaking duck while watching the skies to make sure yep. it isn't going to start raining at us.
0: Yep, that that's and that's thing. And I I I've also thought that one throughout through a little bit also. Um, it won't be the best idea, but if it should happen during, I'll go buy some blue tarp and roll it out. I have places to secure it. <laughs> so then I'll say, "Hurry up and eat your food, and then go." <laughs> so there, yeah, that you know, it's it, it, you you make you roll with it. I think is what it is, and I and I think a lot of places. Um, obviously, I I think a lot of the uh you know the giant big box places don't have this flexibility i think a lot of independents like ourselves um we have more flexibility we can change things up and our ingenuity comes into play much much better although uh, you're pretty
1: big for an independent restaurant
0: farama and us i think are are it uh but farama doesn't seat like Loose customers, like, we call them loose customers. So people that just walk in or have reservations there, they're not, like, a banquet. Um, that would be us. Uh, yeah. Size-wise, Farama is bigger than us, but they do banquets. Like, they're specifically about all about banquets. Yeah, I have <laughs> so. to say,
1: last time I we went to Farama, uh, it was sort of like a quiet... The Sunday afternoon. I think the rush for mm-hmm. dim sum had already passed. But there was a mm-hmm. room full of Chinese and we were escorted right past it into the empty room for non-Chinese. So
0: <laughs> well, if you ever feel like you have to be seated that way, I'll do my best. But you know, <laughs> I I like Mishmash.
1: <laughs> I like Mishmash. I wanted to be with people. Not yeah, to, like
0: not socially know, no. distanced.
1: I, I <laughs>
0: Well we were I we've been looking at our dining room from like every angle for the last two weeks, figuring out how to socially distant every like table. And um uh, I'm like, all right, time to break out that caution tape or like that right.
2: high <laughs>
0: high red high caution tape and we have to X out certain tables and I'm like, Wait, where are the staff gonna sit for lunch? <laughs> so we may what we may do is uh i would have to x out all of the uh giant round tables and then i would put like four we're doing that now too so when we're working i've got like no more than four or five employees at at one of the 12 seaters (laughs) so you have to sit every other chair um but i was gonna say
1: do you have anywhere for the tables to go or are they just gonna sit there empty
0: Um, well, if I put them somewhere, it's going to look ugly, so it'll look prettier if they sit empty. Okay. Yeah, that was, that was one of the things too. And I, one of the shipments we received from China about a year and a half ago had these stools on in there. And I was at the time thinking why did uncle Lou buy these stools? Like, what was he thinking? They must, they, they better have been super, super, super cheap. Cause I have no use for these damn things. And then as I was thinking about, you know, doing the outdoor dining, I'm thinking, okay, if I have to move these chairs, who do I have to make work? Because that stuff is heavy. We've got to move that stuff in and out every day, morning and night. Oh man. And then I'm like that. Oh, if I put the chairs out, I have to consider the backs. And that's not enough for social distancing. I'm like, oh, no, that sucks up room. And I remembered, oh, those stupid stools I was making fun of.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Uncle Lou.
0: <laughs> exactly. And then I told my mom, and she goes, no, stupid, I told him to buy those. We picked them out. And I'm like, really? So, you know, like like little things that never really thought about are kind of coming into play now. And so... You know, it it makes you know we can all the all the weird things that you know we were always joking about now are like oh yeah no we could do that you know and I was I've been looking at the floor and I've been thinking about it and then reading a lot of the guidelines and if anybody else asks you and if and they haven't seen it tell them to look up Black Sheep um they have a, the Black Sheep Handbook so Black Sheep is a restaurant group in Hong Kong they're owned by uh, uh Indian guy, I think he is, and a white dude, and uh, they they came out with this handbook internally, you know, to manage their restaurants. Um, they have a bunch of stuff in there, and so comparing that kind of playbook to the guidelines the city is kind of the vague ones that the city has put out today, I've been looking at it and like, hmm, I can combine these two. Yeah, I can do, you know, like these are things that I can do, and I. I may end up with a, with a fun while playbook um, (laughs) in the next few days. And I, like, I can see, okay, that door that's been dysfunctional for, you know, I don't remember how long now uh, that'll be the exit. Like people have to walk around the bar to get out, like the only one way in and only one way out, even though the front door is, you know, like one entrance, but at least then people are not trying to bottleneck at the entrance at the, at the entryway to get in and out.
1: Right. Cause I just went to a place for lunch today that everybody was very carefully spaced out outside and inside. And then we're all just jostling past each other in the doorway.
0: Yeah. Because there's only one door mm-hmm. that
1: all falls apart.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's the, that's, that's the deal breaker. So you, you have to utilize, I think in this instance, you really do have to utilize your space and figure out the best way to get people in and get people out without too much of a bottleneck. And my adamancy about making the doorway, because we redid the doors a couple of years ago now, like a year and a half ago, Um, the outer doors are heavy duty doors. So they're super heavy. The inner door was a 36 inch door. And now it's a 38 inch door, it's a 40 inch opening and i was adamant about getting the door widened and i'm glad that i did because getting stuff now in and out that door is so much easier just a couple inches will make a huge you're not crashing you're not hitting the glass you don't have to worry about the glass breaking um and then we never we never touched the other side door that everyone falls for my decoy door um but now because we have the bar there the deco door would be like a very kind of natural exit. And so even if you bottleneck at the main entrance, if I have both doors open, you know, technically one side in, one side out, there's no, there really isn't like, you're, you're going to pass each other, but it won't be shoulder to shoulder if it was only a 36 inch door. I've got a six feet wide door there. So yeah. So it'll be, it'll be enough, I think. And, um, City can't get mad at me if I have all the doors propped open now because studies are showing that right. airflow
1: That's a good is Beautiful,
0: thing. yeah, it's a good thing. So,
1: well, let's talk about family for a second. So, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: everybody's sheltering with their families. How do you define your mm-hmm. family? Are you just like one big extended family?
0: We are. Everyone's like we. Are, okay, so not a lot. Not everybody knows, but uh, so I'll reiterate here. Um, our, my, our parents have four kids. Right. Only three of us work in the restaurant. Right. So the black sheep <laughs> is, is Cindy and her husband is Jason. Um, and I will tell you up front, Jason's the white guy in the family. He's American. <laughs> so he's the only white guy in the family. We have, that's, that's been the running joke for like 20 years now, right? And um, he's been kind of the one that's uh, doing most of the errands for his household. Uh, and then he's doing it for his friend's household because his friend his best friend's wife is a nurse at North, at uh, Lutheran so they don't want to overexpose their family she's already at nurse so he 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 told his best friend listen you stay home with the kids you're working from home anyway you tell me what you need I'll go and grab it when I'm out he and Cindy isolate at home and Cindy's reasoning is that she doesn't want to be the one responsible for getting one of us sick, or one of us getting her sick. Laura, the youngest, so everybody knows Laura. Laura's the, Laura's the youngest in the family. Um, she'd rather work, but her husband is also an essential. And so he's, he, he fixes uh, HVACs. He's into uh, coolers and, HV, and air conditioning and HVAC. So he's making Laura stay home to watch the kids while he goes to work. Our, our, our thing is, you know, he's working in, like, nursing homes right. <laughs> and, like, portillos, you know, places like that. And we're like, well, wouldn't that make your work more dangerous than ours? At least we keep Laura inside the building. You know, we, we limit who's, con- who's got contact with outside people. Mike is the one who least whatever. He'll, he puts a mask on only when it's required. So when he goes shopping at H Mart or Jerry's or whatever other place that requires like Glenview and Niles requires you to have a face mask on, he puts the face mask on. <laughs> and if he doesn't, he's at work. Um, he doesn't have the mask on to be honest. It drives me insane. You know, everybody, he's like, everybody else has masks. But he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't go outside as much. So he's not, he doesn't have like too much contact with, um, other like outside customers, so he he's he's usually staying inside. So it drives me nuts, but you know what can I what can I say? Right, he's my brother. Um, dad refuses to wear a face mask inside. Also, uh, he's he's got one. He'll wear it when he's outside because we keep telling him it's a seven hundred fifty dollar ticket yeah. if he gets busted. <laughs> um, to the point where we've got the all the grandkids in the family doing it. Um, And so dad and I are kind of more middle ground where, all right, if we're taking as many precautions as we can, we don't have to be as psychotic as my other two sisters. And certainly not as laissez-faire as Mike is. As a family, you know, we feel like, okay, we've quarantined those two weeks where it really, we were off. Like when we weren't open, Um, none of us are sick um, for the moment. Uh, So when we sit down and have dinner in the restaurant, like me, my mom and my dad, we sit down and eat together. There's no, so like we don't social distance in that way whatsoever. All those guidelines about, you know, if you're not from the same household, in other words, if you're not living with them, you have to social distance for us as a family. Really that's out the door because we're family. You know, if I, if I didn't go to work, then would we be okay? Yeah, we'd be okay for a while, but, you know, we treat our employees like our family, too. So what about the rest of my extended family? What about the boys at work? What about the girls at work? You know, what about the uncles and the aunties at work? What What do I do about those guys? How are they getting by? You know, and if I didn't even have, if I wasn't even open half the week, they, they, they couldn't make their rent. What, what else are they going to do? You know, so I it was... It was, it was, it was hard um, to really say, nope, I'm, you know, we're going to open not just for ourselves and our sanity, but because, you know, our employees need work, they need to make a living too. And you have to think more in the long run. So yes, we're in a pandemic, the plague is going around, but it's not going to last forever. So when I open up, are they all going to come back to work? Maybe not because, because I didn't offer them work. They had to make a living. So they might've gone somewhere else to work. Where does that leave me? And so I think that was, that was an issue for a lot of people. And they just didn't know how to deal with that. Whereas I kind of dove straight ahead and my, my dad was joking. So you're going to let your social service side get the better of you this time. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, you know, maybe the social service side of me this time is going to work in our favor. (laughs) <laughs> because at least now where we're open half the guys are working um when we open fully these guys are all going to be at work I'm telling them listen you know any day now we could be fully open again and we're back to a normal more normal schedule and they're like yes when say when and I'm like I'm waiting for Lori Lightfoot <laughs> they all start cranking up So, uh, uh, you know, I have been, you know, even not just with our, like our family in general, but with our staff, you know, certainly having this mentality of always having treated them as part of the family, they've been here almost every step of the way. So they, and I've included them in conversations when we uh, were thinking about, when I was thinking about reopening, I mass texted everybody, like I got everyone's numbers, Um, and everyone, I wanted to come back to work right away. Like I knew could come back to work right away. I texted on a mass text and I said, listen, I want to open. Can you guys tell me who can work, who wants to work? Who's not afraid of working? You know, I won't hold it against you. I just want to know, you know, like what you guys are thinking, tell me what you're thinking. And, um, they were all like, I'll work, I'll work, I'll work. And, it wasn't, for some of them, it really, it wasn't like money for some of them either because their spouse was making money um, at their jobs. They were like, like some of the girls were, we're bored at home. All We, we, were, we were sitting around all day cooking and crocheting or sewing. <laughs> we're bored. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I got you because I was doing the same thing. And I'm asking them if they want to work because I was bored too.
1: Thanks for listening to food at a radio is all dressed up and has no place to go. And thanks to my guest, Kelly Chang. Music is by Kevin McLeod. Please subscribe to food at a radio at the podcast app of your choice and consider leaving a rating and a review at Apple podcasts to help other people discover it too. Thanks.